YouTube comments on COPPA. Their number one priority is responsibility, making sure it's yours. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, when it rains, it pours in the land of YouTube and COPPA. Earlier today, I did a video in Virtual Legality about mixed audience age gates and another popular YouTuber that had covered that issue over the weekend, had a bit of a discussion with them. They actually tweeted out the video, so we had a nice uh, a nice conversation about it. But because it rains and pours in virtual legality, YouTube saw fit today to actually make some comments on COPPA itself. Now, if you've been following this all along, you know that the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, had solicited comments on their COPPA rule which a number of people have been commenting on, which I believe has some tens of thousands of responses at this point in time. And if you're not familiar with the rule promulgation process of various United States federal agencies, that's a whole heck of a lot more comments than they usually get. So it will be interesting to see what happens there. It was obviously politicized and made an issue for a number of well-intentioned, law-abiding, good-faith actors in the YouTube community who put in their two cents and put in those comments. But YouTube itself, which is obviously the most affected by all of these discussions as the mothership of all these various relationships that takes their cut of the revenues that they solicit and is very interested in making sure that those revenues survive to some extent, is obviously going to have comments of their own. And today, they actually tweeted out uh, a blog post, which we're going to summarize here and then read through in full that talks about what they said to the FTC. Now, this isn't actually their comment. We won't get to see that, I don't think, until the comment period ends, uh, which I believe is now ending on December 11th of 2019. Uh, You can check me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, But YouTube wanted to summarize what they had to say. And so let's take a look at what they did have to say, because I think, much like the Federal Trade Commission's guidance that they put out towards the end of November, This is of limited usefulness to content creators. Above all, YouTube is interested in making sure that it prevents liability from attaching to itself. And so that comes across in a lot of what they say here. Continuing, protecting kids and their privacy is important. Today, we submitted our comment on COPPA to the Federal Trade Commission. We strongly support COPPA and believe it would benefit from updates and clarifications that better reflect how kids and families interact with technology today. More here. We're going to take a look at that, but they summarize it below. In our comment, we ask for clearer guidelines so that creators big and small can comply with COPPA and continue producing quality kids and family content. We support allowing platforms to treat adults viewing primarily child-directed content as adults with measures to help confirm the user is an adult. Notice the word platform there because that's going to become important. We believe there needs to be more guidance from the FTC on when content should be considered primarily child-directed, mixed audience, or general audience. And then if you would like to submit your own comments, you have a couple of days to do so. You know, all are good points from a broad perspective. Obviously, the reason this is now however many videos long it is for our YouTube at Large series, mostly discussing COPPA, children's privacy, what creators have to know, what YouTube has done, what the Federal Trade Commission has done, what each has said, is because it's so ambiguous. So that's a worthwhile comment to make, is to say, hey, 
you know, everybody's having a lot of trouble figuring out what exactly you mean by we'll know on the subject matter when we see it and we will know when it's directed at kids based on some amorphous principle that we haven't yet deigned to detail for you. And so YouTube is right to call that out. But at the end of the day, YouTube is primarily interested in making sure that what it has agreed to with the FTC, which is conceptually this, that channel creators, content creators on YouTube should be deemed to be website operators for purposes of COPPA. Now, we've got a lot of videos that talk about what that means. But at the end of the day, it's worth kind of going back to our foundational principles and talking about what happened in 1998. So COPPA gets passed to cover website operators. And these website operators are exactly who you might think of as website operators. People that have total soup to nuts control over what their website does, what data it collects, most importantly, but also who its third-party content providers are, who might have a plugin that collects data in a way that the FTC doesn't like. And ultimately, the FTC's premise against YouTube and against content creators on this score is that a channel created by a content creator should be considered a website operator, despite the fact that a content creator does not personally collect the data. And it is collected on their behalf to some extent. And we talked about how the rule was expanded in 2013 to say, if it's collected on your behalf, it's yours. But that rule, again, is all covered by what the actual law says, what the act says. So when we talk about the COPPA Act, which the last A in COPPA is actually act, but it's useful for this delineation. When we talk about the COPPA Act versus the COPPA rule, it's important to kind of remember the order of operations here. The act itself was passed by Congress. It is the law. And then in that act, it goes and tells the Federal Trade Commission to quote unquote promulgate, to make, if you're not a lawyer, rules under the act to give meaning to the words that Congress passed. And so the Federal Trade Commission goes and does that in 1998 or shortly thereafter. And then they revisit it in 2013 and they make these various expansions, including an expansion that says, hey, if someone is collecting data on your behalf, we can come after you, even though you never touch the data. And even though you aren't actually in control of how YouTube operates. COPPA was never intended for this purpose. It isn't built for this purpose. YouTube knows that, but it also knows that it is useful for content creators to at least be a certain number of bodies in between YouTube and the Federal Trade Commission. So one thing you will see in this creator blog and in their comment to the FTC undoubtedly is no specific argument that the people that make content for YouTube should not be considered the operators of youtube.com slash whatever their channel is. And while I think that that's the insanity of this entire situation, It makes sense from both the Federal Trade Commission's purview, who wants to expand their authority over more people, and YouTube's, who wants to make sure that the liability, to the extent it attaches, can be shared among various parties. It wants Hasbro to be on the hook if the FTC comes calling again. Now, that also extends to a whole bunch of middle-sized and little content creators, which is where YouTube is now kind of flexing and reacting to the fact that, hey, yes, those big guns, the Hasbros of the world are maybe an issue and maybe you can have them in the federal lawsuit with you. But as a matter of fact, the bulk of your revenues actually come from much, much smaller channels that are just 
met in volume. And those people are scared out of their minds. It's one of the reasons we've gotten so many views on this particular series. And it's a sad thing for me as a lawyer, because I understand why people are seeking out those answers. But as a lawyer, yeah, I'm happy to try to have these conversations, but I want the law to be black and white. I want a good, well-meaning person to be able to comply with it if they can. And neither YouTube nor the Federal Trade Commission is helping on that score. So let's take a look at the blog. I've actually highlighted in yellow what I consider puffery, the language that doesn't matter at all and is merely trying to talk about how great YouTube is or how great the FTC is or how great COPPA is because one of the things if you're YouTube you want to go out there with is, hey, we are on the right side of history. We are well-meaning folks. We understand the Federal Trade Commission is just trying to do a job. And so when the commissioners undoubtedly read a blog post like this, as well as our comment, we want to make clear we are all in favor of protecting kids and kids' safety. Of course, everybody is, right? I think at some fundamental level, there's not a big issue with COPPA as a premise. COPPA just says if you're going to collect information from kids of a certain age, you go and you ask their parents first before you collect that information. At a kind of fundamental level, that makes sense. And YouTube is well within its power to do that, but it doesn't want to. And so we arrive here where it pushes off this liability and assumes that the correct application of COPPA is to have that liability on its creators. So let's take a look at some of the language they use. Responsibility is our number one priority at YouTube. Oh, stop. So I got about a half a sentence in, but that's a clear falsehood, right? I made it the title of this video, and it's a clear falsehood to a certain amount of purpose. These statements are always vetted to within an inch of their lives. But does anybody really believe responsibility is the number one priority of YouTube? If that's true, then their shareholders have some arguments with them because I'm not sure exactly what responsibility means in this regard, but it also shouldn't be your number one priority of an internet video server infrastructure and video access provider slash website operator, which among other things, YouTube clearly is, despite whether or not the channel creators are also co-operators or whatever you might call them. Responsibility is not their number one priority. It may be a high priority, but it's certainly not number one. So why start with that kind of hyperbole? I don't know. I'm not in charge of their messaging, but I can comment on it. And this includes protecting kids and their privacy. We're all on board with COPPA. Over the last few years, we've significantly invested in the policies, products, and practices to help us do this. Those were all hyperlinks leading to a number of other blog posts so that they could laud their various efforts to protect kids, including launching YouTube Kids in 2015. In July 2019, which might seem like six years ago, but was only about five months ago, the Federal Trade Commission began accepting comments on the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, or COPPA. Many creators have already participated in this process, and today, we submitted our comment to the FTC as well. Support access to high-quality kids' content. YouTube is built on the premise of openness. Based on this open platform, millions of creators around the world have been able to make their content globally accessible for free to audiences of diverse backgrounds. On YouTube, creators are bringing visibility and opportunity to kids and families with special needs, using crafts to explore the world, offering fun ways to get kids moving, and more. So I highlighted this in yellow because it's obvious puffery. It doesn't have anything to do with COPPA or what the rules should do. It's saying YouTube is a good thing, commissioner. YouTube is a good thing, people that are reading this blog or watching this episode of Virtual Legality. We don't just 
put cartoons up or simulated renderings of eggs filling up with various paint colors sung to old McDonald on a Russian site. No, we help kids with special needs or help them explore the world or get them moving. Did anybody see that study about how fat American kids are? We're helping with that at YouTube. And that's what this is designed to do. Like us, we are good. It'll have no effect on the Federal Trade Commission. It doesn't really have any effect on anybody reading this now or watching this episode. But that's the attempt in the messaging. Now we actually start to get into a few things that they are discussing with respect to COPPA and its applicability on its own. Many creators have expressed concern about the complexity of COPPA. It's very complex. Their ability to comply with it and its effect on the viability of their businesses. Questions range from what content is directed at children to how to treat adults who might be watching kids' content. This is particularly difficult for smaller creators who might not have access to legal resources. Balanced and clear guidelines will help creators better comply with COPPA and live up to their legal obligations. Pause. Comply with COPPA and live up to their legal obligations. I think YouTube is fine here. I'm a corporate attorney. If you guys don't know that who are new to virtual legality, that's my background. I'm a business lawyer. I help companies get organized, formed, and funded. I understand fiduciary duty, and I understand what YouTube is doing here. But if you take nothing else away from this video, understand this. YouTube is not your advocate. YouTube and you, if you are a content creator, are aligned in certain respects that if you make money, they make money. Ultimately, YouTube would like everybody to make as much money as possible because they make the most money. But push comes to shove. If someone is going to have COPPA liability, YouTube is going to make darn well sure to the best of their ability that it's this guy over here, Content Creator X, and not them. So they have here as a statement, not that we are going to defend you against claims that you are an operator, not that we are going to fight for your rights against a federal trade commission that randomly has press conferences to rattle the saber and scare everybody to within an inch of their lives. No, they say we need clear guidelines so that you, content creator, can live up to your legal obligations. Live up to is interesting, right? You don't hear live up to legal obligations very often. Live up to is a piece of phraseology that most often comports with moral or ethical obligation. You can say comply with. Generally speaking, if I'm writing a contract, I say, all right, you agree that you will comply with all applicable legal regulations in any jurisdiction in which you operate, et cetera, et cetera. Live up to would never appear in a contract of mine. And yes, this is a blog post, but every bit of language in something like this is chosen for effect. It is chosen to subtly indicate not only that they are your legal obligations, but that you have a duty to live up to them that they represent a moral and ethical requirement that a good citizen of the United States would comply with. You need to live up to them while enabling them to continue producing high-quality kids' content that is accessible to everyone, everywhere. So breaking down this paragraph, they, this is a good notion. This is what we said when we were looking at their tweets. This thing needs to be more readable, that what we've got right now is a COPPA rule that says Directed to children means targeted to children. End of sentence. And by the way, when we are interpreting that, we will take into account this whole laundry list of things, but we won't otherwise make it clear how we are interpreting that laundry list. Yes, we can say the subject matter will help us determine whether it's for kids, but what is for kids subject matter? And most importantly, does an FTC commissioner 
who might come from a different background and a different generation and a different planet, for all that matters to this conversation, have a different opinion of what for kids subject matter is than the average YouTube user, or maybe even the average United States citizen. The answer to that is we can't know. And while it's useful for them to say particularly difficult for smaller creators who might not have access to legal resources, I'm going to toot my own horn now for a second. I don't do this very often in virtual legality, but I will tell you I've been doing this job for almost 15 years. I graduated in the top five of my class from a top 10 law school. I've done pretty well for myself. And I've told everybody that's asked, not only that I'm not their lawyer and that I can't give specific legal advice, but that anybody that tells you that they can give you definitively the answer to how a federal trade commissioner would look at your channel is lying to you. It doesn't matter whether you're small, medium, or large. There is no way to know based on the rule as currently presented, especially on the boundary cases, and that's what YouTube is talking about here, that you will not fall under the Federal Trade Commission's ambit. Because again, we've talked about it a lot in this channel, but the Federal Trade Commission can assert whatever it wants. I have a number of videos that talk about the defenses that you can raise against an over rambunctious Federal Trade Commission. But at the end of the day, they can assert that you are directed to children, even if it's complete hogwash. And then you are left holding the bag to try to defend against it. So yes, it might be the worst for smaller creators. It might be, but it's bad for everybody. And I think maybe... YouTube is only now realizing just how bad and that YouTube maybe should have taken a different tact on this. I can't say that for certain, but some of what comes out here suggests that maybe they know they should have defended everything to the full extent of their capability rather than leave some of their content creators in a lurch because the worst possible thing that could happen to YouTube is that everybody just decides it's too risky. That, hey, I love my cat playing piano videos, but I can't upload them if the Federal Trade Commission determines that they are facing kids, that they're directed to children. Because at the end of the day, regardless of whether they would find me $40,000, they probably won't. But even if they won't, I would have to go through that process. I would have to worry. I would have to try to get to sleep at night knowing that a United States federal agency is trying to make my life a living hell. Continuing with their comments... They want you to treat adults as adults. Currently, the FTC's guidance requires platforms must treat anyone watching primarily child-directed content as children under 13. Pause. Yes, it does. But continuing with what YouTube says here, we have to note the difference between rules and law. This does not match what we see on YouTube where adults watch favorite cartoons from their childhood or teachers look for content to share with their students. Granted. There are certainly a number of people on YouTube that are watching old real Ghostbusters episodes or whatever else it might be, and they're in their 40s and they're just loving life. That is without a doubt the facts. However, this is a kind of misguided notion from YouTube. It's an incorrect stance, at least as described in this blog post. One thing you have to keep in mind is this is designed for a lay audience. And so it might be said completely differently in their actual comment to the Federal Trade Commission. If and when that becomes public, if there's something interesting in that, I will probably do another video on that comment directly at that time. But one of the things they say here is that this isn't the way the world operates, that everybody that comes and goes to a channel, even if it's Hasbro's channel, on YouTube shouldn't be assumed to be a child because that's not how the world actually works. The problem is this is all part and parcel to a comment to an, a Federal Trade Commission rule, which as we've already talked about is under the law itself. And if we look at the law, which can't be changed by the rule, it says very clearly that the regulations 
the commission shall promulgate regulations that require the operator of a website directed to children that collects personal information from children to do notice and verifiable parental consent. The basic premise of COPPA is that if you fall under the bucket of an operator of a service directed to children, then you have to meet the COPPA notice and consent requirements. That's in the law. The Federal Trade Commission's rules have to follow from there. They can only do so much to change that overall concept. So it's a bit misguided to suggest that in a comment to a rule, you could have the Federal Trade Commission get out from that assumption bucket. There might be things that they can do, and we're going to talk about one of them in just a second. But overall, this is not what you need to aim it at. If you've got a major problem with how COPPA operates and whether or not it reflects technology in the internet, the right avenue is not to try to comment on the rule. The right avenue is to talk to your legislator and try to get that changed. And I have no doubt YouTube is trying to do that as well. But it doesn't make much sense for a paragraph in the comment to the rule. Continuing with their comment, creators of such videos have also conveyed the value of product features that wouldn't be supported on their content. Pause again. And you see I've highlighted this one in orange. But YouTube itself made drastic and significant cutbacks to what happens to a channel or to a video when you click the four kids box. That includes a complete elimination of comments, no appearance on playlists, a whole bunch of stuff on their back end that the Federal Trade Commission never specifically required in their consent order. All they required was for you to have a checkbox and for YouTube to otherwise comply with COPPA. Now, undoubtedly, they've had actual conversations with the commissioners. They've had actual conversations with people that are telling them what needs to be done. In my opinion, YouTube has gone too far. And one of the reasons they might have gone too far is so that they could make this claim that you get the creators up in arms because if you click that box, it's a death knell for a certain type of content. And it's only when you have that death knell that you get these kinds of agitated folks that put in comments to the Federal Trade Commission at a request for comment. Who's ever done that before, right? If you're not a lawyer or you're not invested in the regulatory infrastructure, I bet you've never commented on a promulgated rule set or request for comment from a federal agency. If you have, and this isn't your first time, leave a comment to this video. I'd love to hear from you. But overall, YouTube has made these drastic cuts that aren't specifically required in the consent order, primarily so they could say something like this. The creators are up in arms because of the value that they are losing. For example, Creators have expressed the value of using comments to get helpful feedback from older viewers. Older viewers that have to be logged into Google and YouTube in order to leave that comment. YouTube is conflating the issue between collecting data from logged in users and non-logged in users. And I talked about it in the video earlier today. I've talked about it in a couple of videos in this YouTube at Large series. Please go check them out. But the fundamental aspect of what the Federal Trade Commission claimed against YouTube was that it was collecting data from people that weren't logged in. And once you have a channel that's directed at kids, if that constitutes an operator, then that collection of data from people that aren't logged in is a collection of data that needs to comply with the consent and notice requirements of COPPA, which YouTube wasn't doing. And that's how they dinged them, is that you didn't require a login. Comments require a login. And so if you are otherwise comporting with other Federal Trade Commission guidance on not being an enticing 13 years and up kind of check the box and other things, you should be able to rely on the actual terms of service and a 13 plus requirement to use the website. 
But YouTube isn't doing that. YouTube isn't claiming that. They're saying the creators are up in arms because we took their comments away. This is why we support allowing platforms to treat adults as adults if there are measures in place to help confirm that the user is an adult viewing kids' content. And part and parcel to this whole discussion is the actual request for comment that the Federal Trade Commission made. We've talked about it earlier in this series. But YouTube, which again is not acting expressly as a content creator's advocate, was faced with this question, which undoubtedly came as a result of the Federal Trade Commission realizing that their current rules essentially incentivized YouTube to put their head in the sand. That the only reason the Federal Trade Commission was actually able to fully nail YouTube was because YouTube had an internal process to label things for kids that the Federal Trade Commission was able to find, and that it had communications from channels that said, hey, we're for kids, and about pages that said, hey, we're from two to 10, and things of that nature. And without that, if YouTube just said, hey, don't tell us anything, we're canceling all about pages, we're not accepting emails or phone calls or anything else, the rule wouldn't apply because as a general audience platform, the rule is said to not apply unless you have actual knowledge to what's going on in the various portions of your website. So because of this whole thing with YouTube, the Federal Trade Commission said, oopsie, we better think about how we want to do this. So they said in question 25, in some circumstances, operators of general audience platforms do not have COPPA liability for their collection of personal information from users of child-directed content on their platform uploaded by third parties. That's you, content creator. Absent the platform's actual knowledge that the content is directed to children. Operators of such platforms, YouTube, therefore may have an incentive to avoid gaining actual knowledge of the presence of child-directed content on their platform. To encourage such platforms, not you, content creator, but YouTube, to encourage such platforms to take steps to identify and police child-directed content uploaded by others, not you, should the commission make modifications to the COPPA rule, for example, should such platforms that identify and police child-directed content, for instance, through the use of a for kids or not for kids check the box, be able to rebut the presumption that all users of the child-directed third-party content are children, thereby allowing the platform to treat under and over age 13 users differently. So this rule is being proposed as a potential change there's no givens in Federal Trade Commission or any other agency rule promulgation. So it's just, a, it's just a proposal at this point in time. But the proposal is that YouTube should get some protections for having boxes in place, for having this conversation with users, for being able to collect data from about tabs and everything else, and that they should be able to use that as a defense against the next Federal Trade Commission action. But note all of the rest. It's directed at platforms. That's YouTube. That's not you. And it's directed at content uploaded by others. If it's uploaded by you, you get no defense from any of the things that they are currently contemplating. So what YouTube is most invested in right now is to say, hey, we need to make sure that the platform has some kind of escape clause. And so when we talk about all this, that last sentence, platform does a lot of heavy lifting. This is why we support allowing platforms to treat adults as adults if there are measures in place to help confirm that the user is an adult viewing kids' content. FTC, help us YouTube out and help us help our content creators live up to their legal obligations, which we all know and understand that they have. Continuing with their statement, provide clarity on what is made for kids. 
The question creators ask us the most is what is made for kids content? Sometimes content that isn't intentionally targeting kids can involve a traditional kids activity, such as DIY, gaming, and art videos. Are these videos made for kids even if they don't intend to target kids? The lack of clarity creates uncertainty for creators. This is exactly right. But again, it presupposes that that lack of clarity should be borne by the creators themselves. The FTC shared some guidance in November. We talked about that. There's a video in this series. It's almost utterly worthless, but please do check out the video. And while this is a positive step in the right direction, we believe there needs to be more clarity about when content should be considered primarily child-directed, mixed audience, which is complies with child direction, but isn't targeted at children, that's mixed audience, or general audience, has really no interest in appealing to kids under the age of 12 or under the age of 13. When providing these distinctions, it's important to not only consider the actual content of the video, but also its context. This is by far the best comment that YouTube makes here, which is to say, we can't just have a rule that says you will determine it based on subject matter, animated characters, boppy music, or whatever else. You need to actually make a framework that people can try to fall within so that they know when they can click the box and when they cannot click the box. And YouTube can also know when it might be liable or otherwise not liable. Without that additional clarity, it becomes impossible for any lawyer, any advocate, any representative to tell you or anyone else exactly what the Federal Trade Commission will do with your channel or website. If we're actually talking about COPPA like it was intended and talking about actual operators of websites, nobody can actually inform a website operator fully as to whether or not the Federal Trade Commission will come after them in the rule as presently devised. This is a great comment. It's a comment that has now been made for 20 some odd years. So it's unclear whether the Federal Trade Commission will act on it or not. But again, it presupposes that YouTube is just trying to look out for the legal obligations of the content creators so that they might live up to them, to the United States government's wishes. Finally, they finish with some more puffery. We strongly support COPPA's goal of providing robust protections for kids and their privacy. We also believe COPPA would benefit from updates and clarifications that better reflect how kids and families use technology today, while still allowing access to a wide range of content that helps them learn, grow, and explore. And this, in this case, COPPA might refer to the act. YouTube needs to advocate for a change in the actual law rather than the rule itself, because the Federal Trade Commission's hands are supposed to be bound in so far as those rules are not supposed to expand or limit the scope of what the act actually says. We continue to engage on this issue with the FTC and other lawmakers. They worked in a workshop and are committed to continue doing so. We are a good corporate citizen, United States government. Please believe in us. YouTube does a lot of good things. And COPPA being used this way is problematic, especially for us. And so if you change nothing else, please do add that escape clause for platforms of a general applicability because we would like that. And then otherwise, yeah, if you hit some of our content creators, that would be great if you didn't do that so much because they're pretty scared. But if you have to, you have to. And as long as YouTube's out of the line of fire, we're okay with it. And if you can't tell, this obviously makes me uh, a little bit agitated that YouTube, that to some extent they are the defender of you content creator. They are not. YouTube doesn't have to defend its content creators, although it would be, I think, in my opinion, a good business move to do so. They certainly don't have to. And I think it's important to note that they aren't. It's important to have videos like this, and I presume videos from other lawyers on YouTube or otherwise podcasts that you might listen to, to discuss these things. 
Because while YouTube might say a few things that sound good, at the end of the day, they give away the game by suggesting that content creators are the ones that are most likely to be liable for these things. And they give away the game more specifically by saying that content creators are upset about YouTube's own actions that weren't required by the Federal Trade Commission. And that because they are so upset, Mr. Commissioner, we need you to give us that platform escape clause to make YouTube whole, to make it so that YouTube can continue to exist because we're helping special needs kids, because we're helping kids be more active. And all these other good things that we think you, Mr. Government Official or Ms. Government Official, think are important. And that's why you should back YouTube. That's why you should do something about COPPA. When you have comments like this, when they are clearly intended to be read by folks that create content on YouTube, I do feel like as somebody that regularly reads these things, that reads statutes, that reads rules promulgated under those statutes, if I can offer any additional illumination as to what's happening here, then it is my duty to live up to that obligation. This has been Virtual Legality for today, part two. If you enjoyed this video, please do like, please subscribe. We talk about these kinds of things all the time. You heard me reference our YouTube at Large series, which had an additional entry go in this morning. We talk about all the specifics around COPPA, around privacy, around YouTube's terms and conditions, and that change that a number of people were worried about and continue to be worried about in that series. Please do check it out. Otherwise, share it around with anybody that you think might be interested. If you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.